freaking out right now like double dose of nonprofits. this is an unprecedented never before seen special event situation that's happening we've never done a show anytime other than tuesday 6 30 p.m and we got american needs you on today uh, yes any we got that any energy okay any <laughs> g I'm so sorry. I'm better than that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, you definitely are, and and we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll cl- slowly climb out of that hole that you just <laughs> created with that with that acronym. Okay, first of all, don't call me any pet names during the show. All right. Second, MEG was actually pretty good. All right, let's we can admit that. I was just trying to downplay it and be humble about it, but I think we can all admit that MEG is pretty good. I um yeah cool I'll 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 agree so we can keep moving on. <laughs> You're fired. You're out. So here's a new thing. I'm looking for a new co-host for nonprofits. Stephen is out of here. All right. Hi, Stephen. Hey. Um. Very excited for today. Um. We've got a show on March 28th where we, we are raising money for uh college access. Right. So yep. who's uh, on that show? Uh, America Needs You, uh, Breakthrough New York, and the Teak Fellowship are who we are raising money for. Uh-huh. Um, on the show, obviously, you and I, Natalie McGill, uh, Mike Winfield, uh, who you've seen on The Office. He's got a special out on Amazon Prime. You've seen him on Netflix. Here's the um, thing about Mike E. Winfield that I need to just like clear up. Uh-huh. Is he a vampire? <clears throat> Probably. I mean, if you've seen him on The Office like 10 years ago or like 15 years ago, he looks the same. True. And I'm not even this isn't even a black don't crack situation. This is that man looks identical to what he looked like 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, I watched, I watched bizarre. Him stand up of, I watched some stand up of his and it was and I didn't realize it was a 15 year old joint. Yeah, I was just like, oh, word, he's still coming out with material during the pandemic. No, he's a vampire, like 100 percent. If you're watching this, Mike E, bite a sister like I'm trying to like live forever. Come on. Stop playing. You've got some big ass teeth, too. Exactly. The better to bite you with and suck your blood. Anyway, um, that's just a theory. We'll we'll test it out later. <laughs> we got we got a lot of stuff going right now. We're talking. Um, I, I maybe I'm not allowed to announce this yet, but we're talking to a very very big uh, nonprofit that does a lot of work with uh, Lady Gaga and and Jay Z and. Shut up, Stephen! You're making me freak out. Stop it! I know. Yeah, so it's that's looking like more and more uh, like it's coming to fruition, starting to do some big projects with Salesforce and starting to do things are things are on the up and up. Uh, things are happening and moving and we couldn't be more grateful. Seriously. Uh, so how how are you feeling? I know that uh, you were you were in you were in the doctors a couple of weeks ago. It sounds like you're you're nice and perky now. Oh, no, I actually feel like I'm dying. I'm just turning it on for this show. I'm not even nice. kidding. Yeah, yeah, no, like th- that's the funny thing. I'm 100% not kidding. Before I, I got here, I sat in this chair. I've been laying in my bed, writhing in pain and um, <laughs> trying to smoke weed to dull the pain. Okay. Um, 
I'm, I'm like not at all like zero percent kidding. And I know that it seems like I'm kidding because I seem like I'm OK. I'm really not like I really feel bad. That's that uh, that, that, that <laughs> comedy, that comedy uh, muscle. No, no, no. That's ancestors. Sorry. Let me be very clear. This is the ancestors of every single black mom of three or, or more just doing the best she can. Like, that's all that this is. That's that energy. Okay. Yeah. And I'm learning. I'm learning so much. Uh, like Fire Festival. Remember when that shit bag happened? Remember Fire Festival? Yeah. And they like had like hundreds of millions of dollars and they couldn't figure it out. And then they got like down to like the last week and all they had was $1,500. What do we do? And they couldn't put anything together. If they had a call to black single mom of six, what? she'd have had that shit lit from the dollar store. <laughs> Beyonce and Jay-Z would have come out and performed. It would have been off the hook. That's this energy. That's the energy I'm bringing right now. That Jay-Z and Beyonce on it. No, oh, the single black mother of six doing the best she can. Like, I don't understand why you keep missing it. I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, I'm not. It's, it's, it's okay. It's right. But yeah, um, thank you for asking, Stephen. Of I course, appreciate it. Of course. Um, but yeah, things are starting to move back here. Um, I'm actually interested when we start talking with, uh, with American Need you what schools are looking like? What are schools looking like for Booty right now? Um, Booth is 100% uh, virtual. I do not particularly want her going back to a school. They don't have any real protocols in place. And there have been multiple COVID cases at her school um, because some of the kids are in person. And then oh, really, so it's half in person, half virtual. It's not necessarily half and half. I think the majority of kids are are virtual learning. And then there's like a small, maybe like 25 percent um, that are actually physically going to school every day. But they've had to close down a couple of times during this because kids have gotten covid. Teachers have gotten covid. You know what I mean? And, and my uh, brain says I'm not going to send my daughter back to a disease filled death traps and she's doing well. She, you know what I mean? She's got straight A's and B's. So I'm like, you're fine. Um, you know what I mean? So, and she's like now bumped up to like honors classes now. So I'm like, you're, you're thriving way better in this pandemic <laughs> than you were when schools, school was open. She's like very responsible now. It's, it's very different. You know, when she was kind of left to her own devices out in the world, um, I don't know. I guess she couldn't, I guess maybe harness her chi, but like now that she's at home and she's, I make her solely responsible for her school. Mm. And even if I walk into her room, she's like, I'm in class. You know what I mean? And she's <laughs> very, yeah. She, oh, she's all about like, this is my class time on my break. I'm going to go grab lunch. You know, she sets her own alarm. Like it's, she's a fully functioning machine. I'm pretty impressed. I went to a school where 40% graduated and then only 23 or 24% of them went to college afterwards. Uh And I just don't think that we'd have the same success rate. Like people ditch school incessantly. There were just fights in the bathroom. Everybody ditched. Uh, I ditched. I was not the student, the model student, but so I ditched 50% of senior year. And then the principal called me in and was just basically like, look, school's not for you. Uh, We're going to let you graduate just so just so you're out of our hair. And we hope that you go do great things afterwards. Also, I coached a football team with the principal. So like a little league, little league football team. So I think I had a little bit of preferential treatment. Um, You think? I think a little bit. And and. I no, don't actually, hear it. So it's kind of funny. Um, my 
I was on the wrestling team, right? And so they would just let you ditch class from second period on if you had to cut weight. And so like I was cutting 15 pounds a week. And so doing, uh, doing illicit drugs, <laughs> not nah, just, just doing wind sprints in, in garbage bags. What, was, okay. What's a garbage bag? Literally what it sounds like. I, w- I would put on a garbage bag, put armholes and a head hole in it. Oh, to sweat it out and just layer on like 20 jackets and just run wind sprints all day. That sounds, that sounds like it's really healthy. Yeah. Well, and then I did it at, ex- instead of school. So we would, so Fridays, Fridays, we didn't have school because we went off to wrestling tournaments and then Tuesday and Wednesday, we were allowed to cut weight. Thursday was wrestling match day. So we would cut weight all day. So you just went to school Mondays, basically, maybe. I went to school Mondays, but then that was sometimes. sometimes. Right. So I'm saying like, I'll go mm, alternate Monday, every first and third Monday and alternate Tuesdays, maybe. But how do you even make a kid go to school because we were talking to uh we were talking to the Edmundite missions in selma yesterday we were they were, they were saying that it was an 80 percent of kids are not showing up to virtual class yeah but their circumstances are drastically different you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. bella is in she has all the trappings or i'm sorry bootsy has all the trappings of a very comfortable cushy life you know what i mean so her getting up and going to class is literally her setting her alarm on her Apple iPhone, waking <laughs> up and picking up one of her two laptops. Actually, she uses both of them. One she's logged in the class with, the other one she's working on, like whatever schoolwork they're working on. You get, do you get what I'm saying? Sure. And, and then during breaks, she's got her, um, you know, what's the little Nintendo Switch? She's got that sitting next to her and her cable TV. Do you get what yeah. I mean? So and, yeah, and, so, and then she and she's got her mom who gets up early. And comes in and brings her breakfast during her first period period class. Do you get what I'm saying? So sure. in motivating her to go to class, th- what is that? I wish she would not go to class. Like, I wish to God she would try it. Like, what? you have no <laughs> reason, no excuse. You know, I don't, I don't beat my kid. Like, I, that's the thing we don't do here. But I wish to Jesus she would. I pray at night. Lord, <laughs> if you're listening, please let this have a skip class. I wish she would. She has a no reason. <laughs> My household, when I was growing up, I would have never made it to virtual class. You know why? Because there was nothing in my house to do but get abused. So, no, I would not have made it to virtual class. Not a day, not a time. I would have been too busy trying to sneak out of class home because it was so terrible there. Like, thinking about lockdown when I was a kid, like, if this pandemic had to happen, oh, my, I would have killed my whole fucking family because I would have had to to survive. Like, they were monsters. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's you have to think of that contrast. Those kids in Selma, they're they're poor. You know what I mean? Like, they're below the poverty line. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, with the, some of the things they were describing, they don't know, like, literally don't know where their next meal is coming from. So getting the online, cl- online class is not a priority. You know what I mean? So how do you motivate kids? You know, raise minimum wage, give, give, get jobs to people that don't have them, get housing to people. You know what I mean? Like, you have to motivate people by letting them know that they're human. Sure. You know? Um, so in school, what sort of a student were you? <laughs> I was a, um, I was an advocate or, or sorry, I was a, not an advocate. I was an activist without a cause. I thought I, I, I was just fighting the power all the time. That's the kind of person I was in, in school. 
I was raging against every machine that that existed. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, yeah, which resulted in me getting beat up by my chorus teacher um, and getting expelled from school. (laughs) You got expelled from high school? Yeah, I got expelled in 10th grade. Um, I also got suspended in third grade for selling porn. But that's a whole other story. So (laughs) I found my brother. Well, so I was always very innovative and like I always wanted to start my own business. My first business plan that I wrote was um, for a events planning company. Okay, that was my and I was probably in like kindergarten or first grade. That was like my dream goal to have an events planning business. And then in third grade, I found my brother's porn under their bed. And I stepped my game up and was like, hmm, I could take this to school and sell it for a peak for 10 cents, or they can get a whole page for 25 cents. And I made a mint. Like I made, like I had stacks. And then one of the kids got caught. Let me, with, let me clarify stacks of quarters. Of that's, quarters. That's, yeah. That's but when you're, I was, when you're eight years old, and you got like bags of change and a backpack filled to the hilt with porn and little dumbass white boys as far as the eye can see. No one uh, can tell you. Yeah, I had stacks. Okay. I had racks on racks on racks. No one can right? tell you nothing. No one can no, tell you nothing with that no one could, of change. No one could tell me anything. And then this kid got caught with a page and told immediately, like I'm talking about with no hesitation. There was, there was no threat of bodily harm or nothing. He was just like, she did it. The one black girl in our third grade class, it was her. She's right there. Check her backpack. He told it was all in my cubby. Everything was in the cubby. I, my, um, my first business was in seventh grade and late bloomer, but okay. I was, I was, really sure that I had cornered this market and that I had this great idea. And I remember my dad was going out for a business trip and I was like, dad, I came up with this business idea. And he's like, I don't have time, whatever. He bounces. And I was like, all right, but I'm gonna tell you when you get back. And so finally I was like, dad, I got to tell you about this idea. And so (laughs) he finally is like, all right, word, what's your idea? And I was like, all right, you know how people have change when they get, when they get pizza rolls, I just ask them for the change I take a bunch of change and now I've got a bunch of money. He's like, you're, you're begging. begging. You're yeah, begging that's much. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm not begging. No, 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 no. But I'm, I'm a venture capitalist, man. Like, are you I'm, a lunatic? I'm making money. What part of this aren't you understanding, Pop? He's like, no, you are begging for money. I was like, no, no. That's hilarious. Bootsy's first, her first job or career was um, a Ponzi scheme. She ran on me when she was in fourth grade. Uh, <laughs> So it's so adorable because her cute little fourth grade brain. No, sorry. Rewind. She was in second grade and she was six years old. That's yep. She was six years old. Second grade ran a full on Ponzi scheme. Right. So I pick her up from uh, daycare after after school and she goes, hey, mommy, I don't have any money on my lunch card. I need, so at at her school back then, she was going to this private school and at her school, you would give your kid money and you have to send it with them to school in a Ziploc, a clear Ziploc plastic bag, right? They would in turn give that to their teacher and their teacher would put it on their lunch account. Okay. So then, then when they would go to lunch, they have a credit card that they swipe at the end to get, and whatever you've loaded it with is how much money they have on their card and they can use it for whatever they want, unless you put restrictions, right? So Uh. she's like, I don't have any money on my lunch card. Can you stop at the ATM in the morning? This is what she's telling me, six years old. 
and give and get me 20 bucks. This verbatim how she said it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, remind me in the morning. I got you, right? So that morning, um, she's like, hey, mommy, stop at the ATM, get me 20 bucks. I'm like, got it. Thank you for the reminder. I go, I get her the money. I drop her off at daycare. She goes from daycare to school and back to daycare. I pick her up that evening. She says, hey, look at these books that they gave me for free at the book fair. Hey. And so I said, I'm like, oh, wow. And so I'm like, those are some pretty nice, like one was like leather bound. I was like, those are some really nice books. I said, why did they give you, give you them, give those to you for, for free? And she goes, oh, mommy, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. Just like blowing me off. And I'm like, okay. And then she goes, oh, and by the way, I need some money for my lunch card. I mean, to buy some books tomorrow at the book fair. And I say, oh, okay. I said, well, just remind me in the morning. I'll stop at the ATM and, and get you some money for books. Right. And, and she's, and I said, and I said, and I said, okay, but the way she slipped up and said my lunch card, I mean, books was like sticking in the back of my brain. Right. It was just bothering me. So the next morning she reminds me, Hey mommy, I need money for the book fair. And I'm like, okay, got you. I stopped, get her 20 bucks give it to her, drop her off at daycare. Right. And this is bothering me. And I'm like, mm. so I call her teacher that while I'm at work, I call her teacher and I say, Hey, Miss Bonasso, did Bootsy come in yesterday and give you $20 for her lunch card? She goes, actually, I was going to call you. She did not. She came into school and she went straight to the book fair and she, <laughs> she bought a bunch of books and she was late to class and she gave me $2 and 80 cents which only covered her lunch for today. So her little kid brain was like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go spend, what's that? $17 and 20 cents on books. I'm going to put this 280 on my lunch card, get lunch today, go home, get mommy to give me another 20, get a two eight two dollars and 80 cent book, put the 1730 on my lunch card. Boom. Mommy is none the wiser. Pay Peter, Rob Peter to pay Paul. So now I picked the stuff up from school and I am one dying inside laughing because I'm like, what a fucking nerd. You're going to rob me to get books. Okay, cool, geek. And so, but also hilarious that you've thought of this elaborate scheme to, to get books and eat. Like those are basic needs. You can get those. You can just ask me for $40. I would have had you, right? So I pick her up and here's the funny thing. She knew she slipped up. Because so when I get her in the car, she at the time I had a truck, right? And so she's like getting in her seat and she's like kind of standing up to close the door. And I turn around in the seat and I said, Hey boots. I said, I, I talked to Miss Benasso today and you and I need to talk. And without missing a beat, she looks at me, she goes, this is about the money, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, she's still running scams on me, but it's all good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So we're She's all- going to do just fine in white America. That's my point. Just a bunch of entrepreneurs. Just a bunch of entrepreneurs. <laughs> which, which kind of transitions pretty well into bringing our guests on. Oh, for sure. Let's bring them on. Let's do it. Oh, um, Black I- brother, I love you. I never try to hurt you. I want you to know that I'm here for you forever true. I just have to sing that because <laughs> we got two strong, beautiful black men on the show today. And I'm so excited. We got I it. love to see my brothers doing positive things. Y'all don't get enough good press. And by y'all, I just mean the black man brand. They be trying to hold us down. 
We out Thank here. you for what you do. We, Y'all are we, out we, here. We in, we in the streets. We in the streets. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm married to one, so I know there's some good ones out there. My brother's amazing. Tell us, please, one, introduce yourselves. Tell us each, tell, tell us a, a little bit about each of you, and then tell us about any. All right. Who's Age before first? beauty. Age <laughs> before beauty. You wrong. I mean, it was just your birthday, so I'm going to let you go. all right right, i got you i got you uh what's up fam uh my name is jerome joseph i am the new york executive director of america needs you um uh, our mission is to fight for the economic mobility of first generation college students and we do that through intensive career development and mentoring um i've been involved with the organization since 2013 actually started out as a volunteer um i went to we have our workshops on saturday i'll let dr theo talk a little bit more about that, but went to a, one, a workshop one Saturday and actually never stopped going. And here right. I am working uh, as the ED in New York two years later. And the reason why I'm so passionate about this program is because I'm a first generation college student uh, and a proud, you know, Howard graduate. There you go. Hey. Got a rep. Got a rep. Got a rep. You, you know. You know. There we go. <laughs> Dr. I love Theo, it. Sir. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like your story sounds like how I met my husband. Total one night stand, and then he never left. So here we are, twenty Boom. years later. Hey, All right. that, those things generally work well sometimes. <laughs> Some things you just can't get rid of. Okay, he wouldn't. He's the one that wouldn't leave. I was like, oh my god, dude, bro, this was literally. I was trying to hit it and quit it, like straight up. What are you? <laughs> what are you? Why are you in my kitchen making breakfast? Okay. All right, Doctor Theo. <laughs> Well, see, the, one of the reasons why I let Jerome go first is because then I could just say I'm the Jerome of the West Coast. So, uh, so I am. He's the, not, he is uh, not saying pro- that because we're both black. I promise. I mean, <laughs> people are going to get us confused anyway at some point, right? It's, it's, it's the hair, the glasses, one or two. Right. So uh, I am the program director for American News U in California. Love uh, it. My background was a high school teacher starting out. Uh, was in multiple different classrooms, uh, made my way to higher ed. So I was on campus at USC and I've been with uh, America Needs You about a year now. And so just been, a- been able to uh, really launch some amazing initiatives here in California uh, where the weather is warm. Uh, so <laughs> that makes everything better. Um, but definitely excited to talk with you all here today. Okay, Dr. Theo, you were cool until you tried to cram the weather thing into our faces. Um, <laughs> I feel like hashtag mute Dr. Theo needs to trend. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's not like I'm going outside. You know? Everybody's still inside. Social you could, Yeah, you could be recording from outside where we could see your background, <laughs> and then I would have to fly there and fight your face, just so you know. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us about um, America Needs You. What do you guys do? Um, so I like to describe it, uh, as you remember those heavy curtains at the old high school, they used yeah. to be real dusty and you try to like go through them and it takes like, it's like 10 layers of stuff. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I think, I think that's what the corporate environment or professional environment is like for, for first generation college students who, whose parents may not have had an opportunity to, you know, graduate from college, enter the workforce in, you know, corporate settings. Right. And so I, I think I view our work as peeling that curtain aside and also like breaking down and opening doors of opportunity for our students. So our students are all first generation college students, meaning they're the first in their families to go to college um, and graduate from college. And they commit two years to their lives to attend workshops on Saturdays. And I'm going to say this 
at Howard. I was not co- contributing, you know, positive things to my life in the way I felt was doing Saturdays. You know, that's why I respect them so much in their resilience and their commitment. Right. So they're committing uh, Saturdays to learn about important topics like resume writing, cover letters, executive mm-hmm. presence, how to manage up. And also they, they have a mentor coach that they're working with over the course of those two years. And so, you know, it's kind of I like to describe that mentor coach as their person. That's someone who they can go to who's not in their family, you know, who can talk about the experiences they had, who they can, you know, talk about their goals, talk about their aspirations. That may be a person who talks them off the ledge if they're struggling with school and thinking like this not, might not be for them. They're the person who, you know, is kind of like the wind beneath their wing. They're also the person who's going to tell you what you need to hear if, if it's a little tough, you know, um, it's, you build a really strong relationship there. And then, you know, I always tell our students that your net worth is your network. And that's why it's so important that, you know, we have about a thousand students nationally. Meaning we have a thousand uh, volunteers as well, about 2000 individuals that our students are plugged into at, as soon as they uh, join the join our program. Right. I remember stepping onto Howard's campus, kind of like deer in headlights, not knowing nothing, like just lost, like lost in the sauce. Kind of like, and it wasn't until I got some peer mentors who kind of, who are older, like junior seniors showing me the way, got some professors I got cool with showing me the way who kind of like illuminate that pathway forward. And it's very similar for our students. Um, And we partnered with companies to help our students get internships because we all know how important that part, um, that professional experience is for students to be, you know, competitive for jobs as they enter the, the job market, particularly in this time of the pandemic and COVID with the way the economy and the job market is set up. And the last piece is just holistic support. You know, um, you can't be your best self if you're academic or academic or professional self if you're worried about where your next meal is coming from, or if you're worried about how you can pay for some prescription medicine you might need. So our students can earn up to two thousand dollars in professional development grants, and we do our best to support our students with acute issues. Like for example, we partnered with the Robin Hood Foundation to distribute over forty thousand dollars in, prof- in emergency grants during COVID. We were able to partner with some foundations to provide the students some laptops when they switch to virtual learning and and a host of other things. Um, but yeah, that's the program in a nutshell. That's amazing. That is an absolutely amazing, very robust program. Quite impressive. I'm surprised that this is the first time I'm hearing about you guys. And then Dr. Theo, are, are you, um, were you on the ground level in the LA area? Or, uh, and so what does that look like starting from ground zero? Yeah, so <clears throat> it's interesting uh, because we, we, we literally... Um, have our cohort, our, our first cohort of students. Uh, they launched in the pandemic. They, they have never met their one-on-one mentor uh, in person at all. And so, uh, you know, for this first full academic year, it's been pretty, pretty amazing to build these relationships uh, through Zoom, through Slack, through uh, voice chat, through um, all these different channels. Um, but what's really cool is that there are still um, really cool opportunities where uh, fellows are are describing uh, moments where they're they're coming in touch with things that they didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of our program mm-hmm. is based on the fact that you don't know what you don't know, right? You've never right. stepped into a space, you never talked to someone in this field, um, and I can say that for both our mentor coaches and our fellows, right? Uh, for for our mentor coaches, for a lot of them. It's, it's their first time having the title 
of quote unquote mentor, right? So there's some pressure with that. It's, you know, am I saying the right thing? Am I leading the right way? Like all of those things. And so a lot of companies are, are using American Ease U even as professional development for their staff, right? In terms oh, of wow. building up the opportunity to, to take someone from not knowing something to knowing something, right? And I think that, um, you know, in our Saturday sessions, when we're talking about executive presence, that's something that resonates with not only our, our fellows, but, but the professionals in the room as well, right? Because, you know, right. most of our, our, uh, our mentor coaches, they are, you know, early to mid-level in their career. You know, they're looking to, to gain access to different networks as well. And so it's a, it's a win-win for folks. But, you know, on the ground level in, in California, we've been able to, you know, touch base with not only community colleges. Uh, so we have community college students that are our fellows. We also have students that are going to private institutions, um, going uh, as, as fellows as well, as well as public school students. And so, you know, you have all these different uh, experiences in terms of school, but the common ground for all of the students is that they're low income uh, ambitious first generation college students, right? And so um, that that's really a, a a great way for them to see that uh, th- this is how you build your network, right? You start right. where you are, sure. and then you expand from there. You get to meet different people. You you get to connect uh, in these variety of different identities. It's um, yeah. so one of the things that I'm doing with my company is I'm, I'm pulling a lot of uh, pretty much all of my interns from Howard. And I, it's, it's a thing that like, I thought it would be easier to train people up and it, I wouldn't use the word mentor for what I'm doing, but, but to train people up, like what sort of um, curriculum do you have for the mentors themselves? Right. Because I, there's just a lot of stuff that, um, you know, it, it it, it's common just for a college student, for an intern that some assumed not right. like I, there was some like assumed common knowledge that I, that I was incorrect or I missed the mark. Um, like what sort of curriculum do you guys have in place for mentors? Yeah, so I'll, I'll take that really quickly. And then okay. I'll, I'll let you jump in. Uh, Jerome, I, one of the things that I tell my mentor coaches all the time is to start with your own experience. Right. Um, you know, when you're when you're in a a field for how many however many years, you know you're, you're the expert. And so, what I tell mentor coaches to do is peel back and think about when you were first starting out. What are the things that you didn't know or you didn't expect? Those are the, the same things uh, that our our fellows are thinking about right now. Right? Mm. We have a great workshop called the Unwritten Rules of the Workplace, where literally it's like when you're in this space, what is something that that you know that goes on that's that's unspoken right like what what are the rules to 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 you know yeah the rules of la are different than the rules of new york right but they they may be unspoken but somebody has to tell you <clears throat> what those things are so i think uh for our mental coaches i always tell them to start start with what they know but i'll pass it over to Jerome for additional kind of mm. tips yeah, I, to build on what Theo was saying, I think it's really important that when people, the word mentor is so intimidating to some people, and I think they overthink it. And then because they overthink it, they then try to project what they think a mentor is instead of being the, their authentic selves. And so we really, I, when we're 
talking, training our mentors, really trying to get to them to realize that your authentic self is enough for your fellow, right? And then, um, so we're doing some sessions, uh, thinking, having them uh, build empathy. I think empathy is one of the most important skills that anyone can have, both as a mentor, as a manager, just in life. And I'm not talking about drive-by empathy. Right. Like, you know, that empathy when you send somebody a Slack message because they're they they lost someone. Right. I'm talking about real deep empathy. Brene Brown has this beautiful uh, YouTube video that where she says empathy is like you, instead of walking past someone, they're in a dark hole. You don't just look down and keep it pushing. No, imp- true empathy is meaning you're going down in that hole with them and mm-hmm. seeing what they need and then going out of there with them, right? And that's the kind of like level of empathy that, you know, we want our mentors to have. And so, you know, we have those individual conversations with them. We have the, our mentor coach mornings. And then also, for example, we did an activity, a budgeting activity. Right. So our we have a very diverse group of, of mentor coaches. Right. Some of them are first gen college students. Some of them aren't. Right. But, you know, if you don't you need to understand what the decisions that a first gen college student has to make. When I was in school, like if my mom could make rent, I'm the person she's calling. Right. And so, yes, oh, wow. I got to go. But I but I also got this bio, this microbiology test at 10 a.m. if I don't pass then I might lose my scholarship. Those are the level of experiences that our fellows have. And so we try to like create experiences. So not that our, not to give our mental coaches an opportunity to kind of get, put themselves in our fellow shoes so they can understand what, why they might, Hey, my fellow didn't answer with answer me in like two days, what's going on. Right. Um, and so they can really understand that and build deep relationships because to me, the core of any relationship is trust, right? Right. And so Agreed. in order to build trust, you have to be, you have to be empathetic. And so, you know, if they're empathetic and they're um, building that trust with, um, with their fellow, then we, we believe that they can go far. Man, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I would say for me, I, I would say that, you know, you, you can never put yourself in somebody else's shoes, Right. The, the shoes are either going to be too big, too small or whatever. Right. You just need to understand what shoes people are wearing. Right. Be able to say like, hey, like, tell me more about this pair. Right. H- how did they get how did they get uh, dusty and dirty? You know, or why are they so pristine? Right. Like, what, what, what privilege do you have that your, your shoes are so crispy? Right. And so <laughs> able to, to you know, notice notice that for folks is, is really important. Both on the on the fellow and the mental coach side, I would say as well, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, when 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 we're matching our fellows with with mentor coaches, you know, we're asking them questions like, you know, what what what, what do you see, you know, in a mentor? How would you describe them? What are you looking for, right? Um, but this may be the first time they have a a person that's not in their their field of interest or or things like that, and they need mm-hmm. to learn how to navigate even a conversation with that person originally. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's really important that we, you know, not put ourselves in other people's shoes, but, but actually understand what shoes they're, they're wearing. Interesting. Yeah. It's a conversation in general that, um, God, Frankie and I have had it a lot, but it is, um, about <clears throat> mentoring. No, the conversation about, uh, empathy and how over the summer, over the summer when George Floyd was murdered, right. There was a lot um, of conversation between Frankie and I about, you know, um, 
a lot of people of my skin pigment were trying so hard to be like, lack, lack like, like, like how, how do I finally understand exactly what the black experience is like? And it is this thing of like, no, you won't. And right. how, how do you listen? And how do you just try to understand with, with the understanding that, you won't understand. Right. Like I, and it is this, um, it is a complicated conversation, but it is one that I don't know. I, I, try See, to I don't, I don't think it's that complex. I don't think empathy is that complex of an idea. I think that when you see people, and this is, this is a thing, you know, that I've said a million times, I'm going to say it again. Um, but when you <clears throat> see other people as human and you see yourself as human, you can see yourself in their shoes in the sense of I can feel for you. I can have empathy for you. I can have compassion for you because I I feel about you the way that I would feel about my mother or my sister or my brother or my son or my daughter. Sure. I think yeah. when we have bigotry and racism and people are unable to be empathetic or don't care to be empathetic is because they don't see that other person as human. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't think it's that. I think, no, you'll never understand the black experience, right? Because you can't, you'll never be a black person traversing the world. However, you love me as your friend, you know me. So if you see me hurt or in pain, Mm -hmm. you can empathize with that. You can connect with that because I matter to you in the same token, the person that you are, Steven specifically, and the experiences that you've had, You've also been around other ethnicities and other cultures a lot. So you don't, you, Stephen, don't have an issue of seeing people that are different from you as human. So if you're, if, when you're trying to understand, when you see George Floyd getting uh, with, a, with a, an animal kneeling on his neck, that breaks your heart too, because you see that man as a human person. Sure. You know, and, and I think that that's, um, so when it comes to empathy, be it in mentorship or, when you're trying to align yourself with this different social causes, if you are unable to connect to that, you need to check your humanity is my opinion. Agreed. Um, and then, so <laughs> did I get snatched from a doctor? Oh my God. I'm, I'm a doctor now. That's how it works. I'm a doctor now. <laughs> that's exactly how it works. Too. I'm a doctor now. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's the way it works. Exactly I am Dr. Frankie French. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. That's how you get a doctorate? I didn't that's how that. That's how it works, Steven. And no. he's a, it's for, a black for doctor? snap, you get a little bit more of my loans. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> ew, gross. No, I don't. Ew. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> I don't want to empathize with you that much, Dr. Theo. <laughs> right. Uh, right. I'm just I trying to be your fair weather friend. I just want to get it on the surface, okay? Right. <laughs> um, and then so the work that you guys are doing now, I mean, what does it look like? Do you guys have a horizon for, uh, you know, Frankie and I were kind of talking about this before, but the um, when things are popping back to normal, do you guys kind of have like a, uh, forecast for like this is what the bridge looks like this is what in person looks like how is programming looking mm-hmm. in the future 
Yeah, so I, that. Go ahead. Yeah, I could take that. I was like, so, oh my god, are they stroking out simultaneously? What's no, happening? No, 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 no. Uh-huh. <laughs> Snap them back. No. Snap them back. <laughs> I'm a doctor. Say, Step away, everyone. Okay. All right. <laughs> what I'll say is that we are actively that that's something that's still in 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 plan in the plans, right? We are at least going to be virtual through the end of this year, and kind of we'll revisit it later in the year. There's still so many things that are up in the air. Um, there's still like, we're going to take our guidance from the CDC and local state governments, local and state governments around guidance for people coming together, you know, here in New York at one of our double workshops, it's 600 people. Right. And transparently, I've been having conversations with people across industries and I'm not getting the sentiment that anyone wants 600 people in their space right now. No, that sounds (laughs) like a nightmare. Uh, No, thank you. So I think that, um, you know, we're starting to have some conversations with our teams about it, having conversations with partners around what that could possibly look like and developing a strategy for what that can look like long term. But we're also thinking about, you know, my, my grandmother used to always tell me you can make you need lemons to make uh, lemonade. Right. So we got to yeah. look at the situation and think about how can we take advantage of this time to innovate and to do new things and possibly reach new students. And so that's kind of like where we are with that. But with the hope that eventually things will go back to a semblance of normalcy while also being honest with ourselves and knowing like that that's going to take time. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'll, I'll say this too, uh, coming from, you know, because my immediate background is, is like on a campus, on a college campus. Right. And I think that I can, I mean, I can clearly say that nothing is going to ever be the same. Right. Um, if I'm looking at, you know, how colleges are looking at their own, you know, online online programs, online degrees, uh, whether their their students are going to be on campus or not, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, truth be told, you know, there, there's been students on campus this whole time, right? And it's it's the students that need to be on campus, right? Uh, whether it's for you know familial reasons, whether it's for financial uh, reasons, whether it's for you know uh, having a, a steady place to be. Right. All of those things count in terms of of why students have been on campus. But, you know, building that structure back out, understanding what platforms, uh, you know, campuses are going to be using. We're we're, we're looking at that as well, because, you know, campuses are our partners in the way that we serve our students. Right. And so, you know, if if half of your university is online and the other other half is in person, you know, we need to consider that or, you know, uh, you know, some of our. Our partners are able to have space on campus. Some are not. All, all those things are, are really important on the, in the way that we look at things. But I, I definitely know that the, the space itself is 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 going to be different. And I think yeah. that that's true for a lot of different industries as well. Because you know, if I can wear a blazer on top and some shorts on the bottom, hilarious. You know that that's that's the way for me. So Stephen is Stephen's pantsless. I just want everyone to know that he. <laughs> Not he true. Look at that flexibility. You don't see that? That was impressive. That was flexibility. Impressive. Touching of the toes. Yo, usually these are pajama pants. I'm just going somewhere after this, so I, I, I'm, I've got my, my dress workout pants on. Okay, let's be honest. Those are CG'd. Those are not. He is pantsless. <laughs> right, right. I don't have a green. I don't have a green screen. I just have green pants. <laughs> right. He's- He's got green legs. Um, But it was kind of a trend that you saw happen. I got my MBA almost entirely online and you Mm -hmm. saw a lot of graduate programs that, you know, especially like when people, MBAs specifically, because like a lot of people were working while they were getting them and stuff like that. But that was a trend that you were seeing moving that way. 
anyway. And I'm just interested to see what the college experience in so, looks like. So, I, you know what? I actually be- deeply believe that we need to get back to that in-person piece. And here's, here's why. And when I think about college, and I was talking with this about with one of my, our staff members, Ryan, and we both went to Howard together, and we were just kind of reminiscing about our experience there. And the classes were dope. I had some really amazing experiences in my classes, but don't, I don't remember a random Wednesday in my biology 101 class. Like, honestly, I don't remember that stuff. But the things that I remember are those formative lessons that I learned outside of the classroom and mm-hmm. like those unexpected opportunities of being able to network with people. And yeah. being able to meet people in person and build relationships. And so that's the piece that I'm looking forward to, like that we need to get back to, because that I think that, you know, when you think about the haves and the have nots, that's going to separate our students, like first gen college students, our yeah. black indigenous people of color students. They're the ones who are going to suffer the most when it comes to that. And also when I think about it in, in New York City, New York City is a very interesting place because a lot of our students all attend CUNY schools and CUNY schools don't really have dorms. If you live in New York and you're from New York, you know, you're not living on campus. You're living with your family. Right. And so imagine the, the students who are freshmen now, they have never had an opportunity to leave their house and go to school. Right. right. So they're still get, they, they still have the same responsibilities. They're watching their their uh, their siblings in between. They don't have that that boundary of this is home and this is school. And so they haven't been able to develop their identity outside of that. And that, mm-hmm. that is so, so important. Right. And so that's why I like we have to find a way to get back in person eventually, because that piece, that developmental piece outside of the classroom is so, so pivotal to, you know, to professional development, to just career, just like to self really to everything yourself totally yeah. to everything I, I had that conversation with my daughter not too long ago when she was asking me you know kind of about college and i'm like well it's not you know the education is actually a secondary thing you know what i mean that's a mm-hmm. that piece is important but you can get you can be educated anywhere through any means right. you can educate yourself at home with books if you choose and through people i said you know the the biggest thing about college is forming those networks you know yeah. what i mean because those people 100%. that you meet those college years, those are the people that you're going to start businesses with or, or you know, work with on legislation with or whatever the things that mm-hmm. you need to do, the, all those little moving parts and those intricate pieces. That's where you meet those people and, and yeah, their yeah. parents. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and those deep those relationships become deep seated and rooted. And you're right. The, the BIPOC community is going to suffer greatly. Because typically we, we don't get access to those networks until we're out of the house and out of college. You know exactly. what I mean? Where, where we're meeting people outside of our immediate space. You know what I mean? And, and so, yeah, that's huge. That's huge, huge, huge. Yeah. yeah. What y'all are talking about, right, is the ability to build your social capital, right? Like, exactly. you know, like, Stephen, I, I would even challenge you, like, getting an online MBA, Probably isn't the same as getting the MBA in person. I would never recommend it because that's like the MBA. The whole thing is connect with other professional networks and shit. And I just didn't get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I got the like, debt. What, what, I, what <laughs> I can tell you right now in terms of, of the way things are structured, you know, online and how students may be experiencing school is that the only thing that the universities are caring about is the actual class instruction, Right. Yeah, there hasn't been much uh, connectedness in terms of of the programming and the social networking uh, that that is key to that college development, right? So, like when I'm talking to 
you know, seniors in high school, when I'm talking to, to, to uh, first year and second year students in college, you know, the things that I'm think, telling them are, you know, just like you all are saying, is like college is the one place where you can be, you know, in your class, you're a business student, but you're sitting next to a, 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 a rocket scientist. Right, uh, exactly. Next to, you know, a chemist, you're sitting next to, uh, you know, an entertainer, an actor, right, all in one space, and then you, will, you all go off and you're, you're homies and, and you're doing a, something sure. together. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the that that's the value of college for me. Right. Because, you know, class was cool, but all the things I did outside of class, all the people that I met, like you all are saying that that's the key portions. I think that it's invaluable. Um, it, it's Absolutely invaluable. invaluable. Right? But the but the thing that that we tell our students in and is that we've created that network for them here within and Right. So if you just mm-hmm. think about a program that started off in New York, you know, in 2009 is now across four different sites. And uh, where are the other, California. where are the other um, two sites? So you have New York, LA, and then where else? Chicago and New Jersey. When are y'all coming to DC? I mean, come on. Chocolate. Hey, home. Yeah. We're working on it. We work, we're trying to figure out that next. Get it together. I know, I know. <laughs> but I want to emphasize what Dr. Theo is talking about, about A&Y. Like, you know, traditionally, when you think about programs, like when you think about stuff like A&Y, you think it is a program. But I always tell a- people that A&Y isn't something that you do. It's something you become a part of. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, it's to, I started way back in 2013. And I'm still close. I still have meaningful relationships with fellows. I still have meaningful relationships with mentor co- other mentor coaches, with staff members who are all part of the program with me, right? And one of the, like, couple of full circle moments for me, number one, one of our 20, 2019 fellows was hired as an intern by one of our 2012 New Jersey fellows. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. He has That's, a small business yeah. and he hired her. Right. That's powerful stuff. Right. We have back when I was a mentor coach in 2015, there were two young ladies who would come from New Jersey, would come from Washington, D.C., American University, they attend American. They would come to New Jersey every other Saturday to come to workshops. Oh, wow. Every other Saturday from D.C. to Jersey. That ain't an easy ride. It's like four hours. Right. And it's to get to, to, to invest in themselves. And like, that's the type of community. And let me tell you about those young ladies. One of them, she ended up interning at Goldman Sachs, got a very prestigious scholarship and now works for them full time. The other young lady was interested in being, she used to tell me, I want to work at an international NGO. What's she doing? She's working at an international NGO, hashtag black girl magic. I love it. Right. But one of them is now a mentor coach in our program. Right. So it's not just our fellows and our mental coaches aren't just doing the program. They're coming back and they're staying engaged. We have people who like recently, you know, the, this past workshop, I was in, I'm, I'm the executive director now, right? I used to be a volunteer. There are people who were volunteers with me who are still volunteering as a part of this program six years later after I met them. So there's something in the water. It's something powerful that keeps drawing you back in. And that's why I, I love, love, love our program. Because you're doing something positive and you're 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 making a real impact. You know what I mean? People, I think that's one of the things that really drives Stephen and I is that we mm-hmm. we're we're not just doing the podcast just to get our faces on, you know, in front of people, but we both have an innate passion to make some sort of impact, some sort of positive movement forward. And you guys, we can I can tell from the way that you talk and the look on your face when you talk about any. Mm-hmm. 
you're so excited. <laughs> like you're so excited about what you do. And this is, you, you've been there for over six years, you know what I mean? And to still have that same passion and still have that same drive and still be excited about it. That to me, that speaks volume. So good on you guys. Yeah, it's been pretty dope. I think um, one of the other things I'll say is that um, A&Y is a space where people come to realizations, right? So um, for one of our, our incoming fellows, this this cohort, uh, it was the first time he had ever been nominated for anything, right? His, his counselor said, hey, I think this program would be great for you. And in his interview, he was just excited that he had been noticed, right? And so yeah. sometimes just being able to put yourself in a space where these good things can happen is is all the motivation that folks need. And for sure. And why has created an opportunity for that to happen on, on multiple mm-hmm. different levels. I can 100% agree with that. I know uh, in, in comedy, we work so hard all the time just to like get stage time and to get shows. And it's a grind and it's painful often. And you don't have anyone like, Hey, Frankie, Hey, Steven, good job. But when you have those moments where a very well-respected comic or producer or someone puts you forward for a thing, you know what I mean? Like that's right. It it boosts your confidence in a way that's like unparalleled to anything else, even to making an audience laugh. If I have, like I worked with Eddie Griffin recently and when he met my husband, he was like, your wife is the bomb. She's so funny. You know what I mean? And to hear him speak that way about me, you know what I mean? When he didn't know that I was listening. Do you get what I'm saying? Like right. having that vouch that, that just, I don't know. People may, some people call it co- being codependent. You should be able to motivate yourself. And that's true to an extent, but it's a different thing when, when someone you respect or whatever, just it hits different and it really kind of motivates you to do better and to do and well. Similar parallel. It's like once you are part of a network that, of people that are doing things, yeah, mm-hmm. you get pulled in that orbit a lot quicker than if yep. you're out doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I really appreciate the work that y'all are doing and think it's very important. I love um, it. I I'm going to put my daughter in your program when she's ready for college. <laughs> We're ready. Um, that's about Maybe the time we'll be we got. By then. <laughs> well, well, well she, she's a 10th grader, so she's only got one more year of high school, and then I want to send her to boarding school for a year. <laughs> so she could, no, not for nothing, but I no, want her to, freedom back. I'm being very serious. I want her to, to spend one of her um, high school years away from us so she can start finding herself and her identity before she goes all the way off to college. Um, and just have a better, more, sh- because if I send her to boarding school and, you know, a couple of towns over, I can visit her, but she'll also yeah. get comfortable being out of the house and managing her day to day by herself. When she mm-hmm. goes off to college, she'll be more self-sufficient. Well, based you know, on her right, scheme in second gets, grade, gets we know that she, she has the street smarts to survive. She got the street <laughs> smarts. Yeah. She's good on that. She you just want to turn the extra bedroom into something fantastic for yourself. It's fine. You know, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You know um, what, Dr. Theo? Don't hate my moves. <laughs> um, Theo, Jerome, where can people find you? I know that we're, we've been posting it in the chat right here on Twitch, but so that people hear it on the podcast, where can people find you? Yeah, you can go to uh, americaneedsyou.org. You can uh, go there to find out more about the program, all the, uh, the, the ways that we can connect with you as a volunteer, uh, get your company involved, get, get yourself involved. 
um, get get other uh, students that you may know involved as well. Um, Instagram. We're also on, this is our LinkedIn. Yeah, we're on at American Need You. You can find us on LinkedIn. If you want to volunteer, all of our volunteer opportunities are virtual. You can be anywhere in the country um, and or the world if you want uh, to volunteer. Uh, check us out. You can do some informational interviews with our fellows. You can come to those amazing Saturday workshops we talked to, uh, we talked about. And we also have monthly career roundtables that we're hosting. This month's topic is about bouncing back from rejection. And so our Ooh, fellows and I students are going to learn about how to, how do you bounce back from rejection after you hear that no, right? So a lot Ooh. of different ways you can get involved. And, of course, we're always recruiting for our mentor coaches to join the two-year program. Um, and, yeah, you can hit – you can feel free to ask us questions there. I love on, it. At, our, at American Easy Handle. Quick uh-huh. tip on bouncing back from rejection. I usually just get an extra-large Supreme pizza, pint of ice cream, crawl up in my bed, put Luther Vandross on repeat, cry into a pillow and watch Titanic. It's really... Which 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 Luther song? Big Luther or Little Luther? Oh my God, come on. Big Luther, where his hair didn't curl quite right. Come on, you know the Luther. Okay, there we go. You know the Luther sure. I love. Gotta ask. Gotta ask. <laughs> <laughs> creep, 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 creep. Yeah, that Luther. Come on. <laughs> Say it for me four times. Okay, sorry. Okay, no, we're, thank we're you so much. Um, this is this has been nonprofits. I'm Stephen Campbell, and I'm also Stephen Campbell, and You're we'll not. be back. I'm not. God damn it! I do it wrong every time. I'm Frankie French. We'll be back next Tuesday. This was a very special episode. Thank you, America needs you. Thank you, Jerome. Thank, Thank you. you, Dr. Theo. Comedy Hub, we love you. Thank you, Jared, for being the man behind the mystery. We will be back next Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it. Word. Um, yo, Jerome, I...